0: Hello, my name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, and this is Imp's WWE Adventures Podcast on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Your quick look back at the WWE week that was, and finally, what a week it was. I'm finally back, and my voice is still not 100%. I was like, oh, maybe I could get through quite a bit of a recording without my voice going a bit rass but nope. It's <laughs> 20 seconds in. <laughs> so hopefully, we'll see how it goes. I do apologize for the just the quality of my voice. I really didn't want to miss last week, but quite genuinely, I got to. I was. I kept putting it off because CM Punk happened because I was. I felt well enough to be up for Survivor Series, and I, I did all of that stuff. And when CM Punk happened, I was like, oh, I can't wait for Wednesday and Thursday. But when it got to Wednesday, I sounded like a bear trying to speak English. <laughs> like my voice was so It's grizzly and haggard. It was just like, I sounded so bad. As you can tell, this is a week later. So <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, apologies. I don't know how much editing I'll do on this as well, just because of my how well I'm feeling <laughs> but I was like I can't miss three weeks can't miss another week so you got the other social suplex guys with feelings on CM Punk I don't think I'll add anything which any more quality than you got from Rich and James <laughs> so just listen to One Nation Radio or they'll clip us up on the YouTube channel for social suplex because yeah I'm not going to add anything any more entertainment <laughs> than you got there it would have been nice to add my opinion to it but the wrestling world moves on we're, we're well past that now <laughs> like who cares about CM Punk returning he wasn't even on Raw this week Oh, he's not even on this show <laughs> he's not going to be mentioned past this because uh, one of the takes from uh, like last week's Raw was that it was a showcase for WWE showing that they could they don't need CM Punk basically was what they were, that was like a showcase for like yes we've got CM Punk on the end of this show but look how much we've got outside of him look how much we've got going on we don't need him to put on a good show it's not like we're using him to ignite the fire or whatever it's a fire that was already there and then the CM Punk which, to be fair, was the same kind of wave he entered in AEW with. Because at the time, AEW, on an amazing creative streak. It was absolutely insane, the the consistency that was in AEW in 2021. Like, absolutely insane. And then you get CM Punk within that world. Uh, it, it's a similar vibe. Like putting on a show, showing what they're capable of in terms of what's going on within the product. And then there's CM Punk. I personally didn't like last week's Raw. I really thought it wasn't the best kind of show to put on when you've got an influx of fans coming in or returning because of CM Punk being there. But it is the kind of show we've consistently gotten after a pay-per-view from Triple H. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, ah, this is what Triple H always does after a pay-per-view. It's this kind of show, like a little mini aftermath slash reset, but there's not a lot going on because he's he likes to spread it out over the course of the build rather than like the Vince thing or if you've got a big show sometimes after the pay-per-view with Vince. Then a whole lot of nothing until he got closer to the pay-per-view itself. And suddenly it was like he was surprised by the presence of the next pay-per-view. That wasn't always the case, but that really started to happen within like the latter half of the last decade. The past decade, it was like the final years of Vince was like, "How are you surprised by your own pay-per-view schedule?" At least with Triple H, you can complain that they were doing the build for Judgment Day in War Games, but they were doing that build for ages. Like, it wasn't like a pay-per-view out of nowhere suddenly. It's like, I had a scrap team together. I don't know. This was purposely built to for a long time. So at least that has changed. There's a lot going on around CM Punk is kind of my point. I think maybe on this one-off occasion, because he had such a huge injection of new eye, uh, returning eyes, might have been a decent opportunity just to mix things up this one occasion. Because I personally don't mind the way Triple H does things. I think it overall helps the product a lot more to spread your goodness across the weeks rather than saving them for, like, a couple around the pay-view. Anyway, that was me talking about last week's Raw, quickly. Really. <laughs> it's my fault for being too ill to cover it. Let's talk about Last Friday Smackers. It's time for some smackdown. Hey, Paul. You can call Roman Reigns. And you can tell him Daddy's back My name is Randy Pandy The ladies find me Andy But who will he sign for? It's Randy Orton on Smackdown uh, Randy Pandy over here on Smackdown After his match on Monday Night Raw He's doing a little tease of who's he going to sign for It's like ah but he's on Smackdown He's talked about the bloodline being his main goal, and he settled his beef with Jay Uso relatively quickly. And I was kind of at the time I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm a super fan of Randy Orton just having a chat with Jay Uso backstage, and that's absolutely fine. When any interaction with the rest of the bloodline is going to be, um, his logic being, what well, if you're not in the bloodline and you've left them behind? Then I've got no beef with you. I think mostly it works when you mirror that against Drew McIntyre. Who cannot let it go? And Randy Orton's like, no, I'm, I'm going to let it go for the good of what I want to achieve. I'm happy just to let this drop. You know what? I'm going to. I started speaking like that was a negative, and then within me talking about it, completely changed my own mind. it's like no, 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 actually, it's a positive because we are getting a different character doing that thing of, of not being able to drop it and being angry with every member of the bloodline, Injury McIntyre. That's perfectly fine then for me to have another character not be as stuck on go for that one thing. It's like, no, Randy Orton doesn't have to be driven to take out every member of the Judgment Day, not Judgment Day, of the bloodline, proof I'm still ill. (laughs) It was a nightmare writing notes. As I'm trying to make right notes doing this, my brain is just so not working right that I'm constantly writing the incorrect words. So that's gonna happen across this. We'll see how much of that gets out of the edit. I'll probably end up keeping in the funny ones that make me look bad because <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to an editor. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that sounds funny. You sound like an idiot. <laughs> That's staying in. Like, so down, Screw you, future Matt. <laughs> screw you. Uh, but yeah, with uh, Randy Orton, because Drew, we have got Drew McIntyre being that guy who is zoning in on what the Bloodline did to him, I'm perfectly fine for Randy Orton to not be that same character. I'm, I'm perfectly fine for someone else to tackle it differently. Makes sense. But then when you pair what happened with Raw on SmackDown, where Randy Orton now, he stands with SmackDown, he's not going to be on Raw, he's not going to interact with Jey Uso. I'm like, you know what? I keep looking at WWE and accidentally analysing it through the Vince lens of being like, oh, I didn't really like how he settled that thing with Jey Uso like, over oh, that, okay, whatever. But then you watch SmackDown, I was like, oh, wait, no, that was because they knew he was signing for SmackDown. So they closed off that storyline, they got that beat settled so people aren't kind of wondering or thinking about it. So that Van Hilton can just move on to SmackDown and it not be that big of an issue. You know that, yeah, that was actually a decent little setup to let you know he's moving on. When he quite literally tells Jey Uso he's happy to move on, <laughs> it was right there in front of my face, and there I am stuck on my bloody Vinces remember <laughs> Vince world of writing and booking. He's Like, no, I'm an idiot. <laughs> that was them saying he's going to be moving to SmackDown. It's just settling his beefs, what, uh, the le- stuff that's left over from a Night Raw then he's going to move over to Smackers. Uh, And that he did, with Nick Aldis and Adam Pearce both talking over each other, trying to vie for their Randy Pandy, when uh, Randy Orton is then heavily hinting he's going to sign for Smackdown. But the bloodline don't want no RKO's on Smackers. Out they come to put an end to that. LA Knight making the uh, yeah save. Yeah to Jimmy. Yeah to Solo. Uh, Jimmy all alone in the ring. RKO to The Uso. And Randy signs for Smackers to get him some bloodline vengeance. End of the show saying, hey, Paul, you can call Roman Reigns. You can tell him daddy's back. <laughs> and Oh, oh, they're really good with that, aren't they? <laughs> OK, all right. This wasn't just like a one off thing because he was specifically talking to Ray very Oh, this is going to be a T-shirt, isn't it? Oh, We're getting a daddy's back T-shirt for uh, RKO. Yeah, yeah, it's. I'm predicting it now, <laughs> by within time, it won't be long because we've got Randy Orton's daddy's back stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm assuming this is them building that for the Royal Rumble, to do uh, Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns. Just like on Monday Night Raw, they're building Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins for the Royal Rumble. they uh, just give with that much longer build. This is like week one of doing this, and both guys are perfectly fine because... They don't need the rumble to be elevated or anything. They're not like desperate for any of that. They're believable challengers, which Roman's not had a which Roman kind of struggles with at the moment. Uh, the last one with the LA Knight was used to elevate Knight rather than a like already top guy going for him and put, being a genuine challenger. Jey Uso also someone else being elevated rather than a genuine challenger. Um, as we saw my night Roll this week, which I'll get to, it felt like they're at this point now where Juso really is being cemented as a main event guy and uh, that's kind of my proof of that that means on SmackDown when he challenged Roman Reigns he was never a challenger where it was realistic he was going to beat him but he was someone who massively benefited from that huge stage uh, just like LA Knight did in uh, Saudi Arabia but anyway so Randy Orton on SmackDown we've got that storyline game with the bloodline forward and I mean it's, it's the first week it's like a little setup for what's to come there's not like a lot there at the moment it's more of you look at the pieces and the kind of dynamic of it at the moment which was my main Complaint of like Vince era, like especially Vince era Survivor Series matches, where there was no reason, there was nothing really being competed for once Survivor Series had finished. Like, it was just, it just wasn't really mentioned. Maybe like the week of on the winner's show, and that was about it. Uh, somebody's get reelings from the losers actually, so that first it wouldn't be that's it. But you know, it, like past the week of, it wasn't really a lot talked about with those shows, and you just move on whilst. In this era, <laughs> it's like, yep, stop marking it with the criticism and stuff. They're clearly building a lot of things. The matches have consequences. <laughs> There's actual meaning behind this stuff happening. Um Yeah, my point being, bit, the main point of that little tangent, which may or may not stay in, was that Randy Orton is being built up. There's not a lot of pieces here, but looking at what's there, you know what? I'm I'm all for it, especially as a Royal Rumble challenger. A relatively serious guy who, surprisingly, Roman hasn't faced yet. I say surprisingly it's because he was in the RKO bro stuff at the time. Then the massive 18-month injury suddenly means Roman Reigns has got a fresh contender and a top guy at that, which is really useful right about now, especially when he needs some momentum to carry him through that WrestleMania season as the rest of the stuff builds. It's like, oh, Vandy Orton returning is like a godsend for that. (laughs) So it's a huge little thing. Uh, We'll see see how the interactions go uh, over the course of it. He doesn't really feel like a guy that's going to be testing any bloodline waters, but he's somebody who keep momentum going. Uh, anyway, elsewhere on the show, where's our Bailey damage control and not keeping our girl in the loop? Damn DMG. <laughs> yeah, they shown both of them to... <laughs> uh, Bianca versus Kyrie was later in the show. Bailey asked to not join them at ringside. Why? Uh, yeah, he's playing off the exact thing that we thought they would be. War games. Bailey was the MVP, and all of this was put again to you on commentary because that's my normal rule with WWE. It's the, one of the kind of carryovers from the Vince era. Is there's the one story that you can tell visually, and some. But sometimes you can actually read into that. So if you ever want to know what the genuine stories they're trying to tell or what they're going with, just listen to the commentary. They just they just they tell you. They don't let. They make sure that everybody is able to keep up exactly with what these storylines are. You don't need to just watch the. You don't need to watch the product and know for yourself. It, it is told at you, <laughs> so you cannot miss it. But um, yeah, the main story here being that Bailey was the MVP of the match, but ended up losing. I love the idea of Bailey making all of those saves, but when it came to it being her turn to be the one on the back, there was no one to save her, and I like that idea. And Damage Control kind of going for themselves with that clear thing of they didn't, they don't want her in the group but they're not just gonna kick her out they've got a use for her at the moment and once that use is over she's immediately gonna be gone like it's like every member in the group has already clocked this and the writing is on the wall and bailey can see it but it's not explicitly been said yet apart from by the commentators just to make sure that all of the audience know but aside from that (laughs) aside from that it's kind of all it's all, it's all within the kind of looks and everything. Apart, again, apart from the words of the commentators to make, just to make sure there's no gray area. <laughs> this is the story, this is the story. It's building up nicely. Um, Kyrie losing to Bianca after the interview stuff was kind of matched up with Shotzi and Charlotte Flair. Um, again, another nice little building thing. I, this one feels a lot less clear of where it's going to for the Royal Rumble, uh, but I like it at the moment. I like it. It's probably going Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Normally it is with this stuff. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we somewhat built some kind of Horseman thing, just because you, you've already aligned Bailey with them, but you've got Charlotte Flair and uh, Bailey slowly getting back onto the same side through this one. Yeah, I don't know whether. Yeah. Uh, again, they haven't got the people to do it, because <laughs> well, one of the is clear is currently not in the company. You know, things can change, things can change. It's a different WWE now. The Mercedes Monet that left WWE, it's not the same WWE, and it's not the same Monet's Monet, <laughs> to be fair quite a bit has changed in a really good way for both parties It'll be quite. I'll see what they're going to do they don't need to do a horsewoman thing it just felt like a, we've got one aligning force it kind of makes natural sense that another force would align against them for either some form of big stage or like a WrestleMania season run in a good way because there's actual stuff set up there's, there's many ways it can take at the moment it's early days like the Randy Orton thing where it's so early on there's been so few interactions it's, there's just little dynamics being set up it could go in any way uh, speaking of, uh, Logan Paul and Kevin Owens, and there's a tournament to decide the next US title contender. Uh, Santos Escobar, Dragon Lee, Karrion Krauss, Bobberly Lashes, and an NXT Superstar. Austin Theory, Grayson Waller, and of course Kevin Owens. Uh, KO, knocking down Theory with a single strike, which is kind of playing off of Logan Paul's boxing stuff that he was going on about. Uh, Logan Paul's not the only one with a good right hand, says commentary. Ha! Wanker. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just setting up the tournament. They all have a little scuffle. The, the tournament's going to start. Tournaments are cool. I like tournaments. And that kind of that like kind of naturally leads onto the what was happening over the course of this week with people, some people on Twitter reacting to the tournament that's happening in AEW, the Continental Classic, and reacting to it as if it's like a really complex equation they need to figure out. Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I can happily say that nobody in my Twitter's like circle or sphere has been like that. I just saw people just like, click on the AW post about this and just read the comments. And I was like, okay, I'll have a look. And I was like, you would think they'd posted the equation for Higgs boson. <laughs> like, why are they freaking out so much? <laughs> it, it, generally, I struggled at first to see it as not just bad faith posting, like not even attempting to just look at it, just seeing a thing and blankly going, this is way really too complex. It's like, no, if you took more than one second to look at this, you'd know it's just a standard table. There's nothing crazy about this at all. In fact, they've simplified it. <laughs> Look at um I can't remember who it was. Somebody was uh posting. And if somebody was posting about uh, the, the version of a New Japan table that you they used for the G1 climax, and somebody replied, just like, imagine having to explain what triangle means to these people. <laughs> it's like, good point. <laughs> AW has simplified this as much as they can, and it was never complex to begin with in the first place. <laughs> As, I, yeah, I love the reactions to it. Because it's, it's one of the things where, because it's so simple, it just highlights either the bad faith or the stupidity of the person. Or, or the best way to put it, is it makes you look stupid saying that this is complicated. Because it just so isn't. You're outing yourself or you're making yourself look stupid. <laughs> just, I like that it just swung that way. It didn't really matter what side of the fence you landed on on social media. As in, like terms of, like the wrestling fandoms or whatever. Like everybody seemed to come together. That's in my Twitter sphere and being like, yeah, that's just a stupid take. <laughs> it's blatantly just a simple table you see everywhere. It's not complicated. And if you're saying it is, you're being dim. <laughs> I apologise. Uh, anyway, Monday Night Raw. Let's go over. And nearly in my illness, I completely forgot. Like I'm meant to do a nice little lead-in beat. So Let's do one. Monday Night Raw. Back to his feet. Oh, pedigree! He caught Uso with a pedigree! Baited in the spear was a slight step ahead of it. And out set Rollins with a stop to main event Jay Uso. And the cover. And Rollins retains in one hell. Seth of a freaking event. Volins versus Jay. No yeet trademark, so that's dropped Uso. Uh, Jay Uso really arriving at an established main event talent in this match. Um, it, this was really fun. I, I would, I when I say I'd recommend watching it, it's on the good end. It's like a three, three out of five match, but it's entertaining. That's what a lot of WWE TV is like. They'll hit a certain point, but for me, this is like a good example of a three out of five match. It's exactly what I would want on my wrestling TV because I don't want it. one of one of the problems for me for AEW is not saving enough of the huge, amazing matches for pay per view. Did a pretty good job for me this year with uh, All Out. Just because of like having uh, Kenny Omega, Takeshi, for example, on the show, like there was there was stuff that was built to which the matches themselves were of such a high quality that this was stuff that you actually weren't getting on TV. Do we more they'll deliver standard? Then he gets the pay per view, and it, instead of it being three stars, sometimes that's why it hurts when you get like a three point five stars. Like oh, or, so, or something akin to what you normally get on TV, just without the adverts and a relatively better flow. It's like oh. AEW somewhat trained me to expect like such high quality wrestling on the pay-per-view bit itself. Which I guess is probably part of the reason for some having a certain reaction to the MJF run. Just because like we've been given as a f- fandom, we are conditioned by what we are given and what we were given by AEW was to expect such a high, incredible standard of when it came to the wrestling on the pay-per-views. You can do your like your more entertainment-y stuff on the TV show to set stuff up, but when it came to the pay-per-view, the wrestling became the sole focus. And when you compare that to WWE, that's never been what they've done. They would we did often promote like a storyline kind of finish um, or like the confrontation being epic or whatever. But they never were a promotion to be like the matches themselves are going to be so stellar that you have to buy the pay-per-view. That was WWE, That was AEW's realm. Yeah, but here, good example of what I want. This is if you're within the WWE bubble, going for that three out of five match, but in a really good way. This This is what you do. Builds up both lads. They both come out of it looking great. And for me personally, the fact that it reflected and mirrored Drew's opener on the show added to it so much. It suddenly means there's so much more depth to it when you're watching these characters do what they do. Knowing that it's reflected by someone who's not even in the match just adds such a bit, so much more to the story. It makes it feel so much grander because it was the story of a challenger refusing to die... With Jey Uso uh, challenging Seth Rollins for the title, mirroring Drew's opener against Sammy. But compared to Drew, the champion didn't get the luxury of an injury presenting a weakness to take advantage of. And Jey Uso, suddenly that means that Seth Wallace has got to dig in deeper as Jey Uso also refuses to die, just like Sammy did against Drew. Which is great (laughs) because you both get to highlight Jey Uso. You get to, you got Sammy to show that heart and refusal to die. You also got that seeing in Jey Uso as he goes for the title. Then you get the mirror of how Drew and Seth both reacted. Uh, Drew got that advantage of the injury and took advantage, so he got to show his kind of lack of empathy, which he's been with his new heel turn. And then Seth Rollins got to show his champion's ability to dig in deep and bring out that next final uh, beat. Yeah, like like character beat wise, all of this is fantastic. It's setting things up amazingly. The story. The storyline that's happening around it is building up really well. And the thing to cement it was Drew with the post-match attack, putting Jey Uso through the announcer's table, also throwing Seth about, and the bigger road being a Rumble rematch with Seth, but in the short term, this means he's, he's his. it means they're using Jey Uso to get there. Like Drew McIntyre's character is getting its growth to be ready for the Royal Rumble through Jey Uso. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's uh, it's good writing for me. <laughs> do, uh, to be doing that. Yeah, it's, it's it's the type of stuff that I'm just not used to existing in WWE. So to suddenly see it, I'm just like, oh, they're using all of this stuff to genuinely set up their characters for where they want them to be. <laughs> yeah, it's just competent writing. <laughs> it's it's just pure competency. This, <laughs> like all the way through, the way that they elevated the like the the I can't really speak. The way they elevated the four people in this match. I can't applaud it enough just because it's so competently done. <laughs> Again, within the Vince era, the number of times I was just be like, I don't want to be applauding competency because that should be the bare minimum. <laughs> However, uh, and here I'm like, no, I'm still getting surprised by the competency because I've still looked through the Vince lens. So when I suddenly just see the stuff you see on every other TV show, but it's done here, <laughs> it's like, oh, they're actually priming their wrestlers and their characters to go to this next step, which is good. Uh because like one of my little gripes in analyzing media are people who just analyze the plot. So you, they're just talking about the what, and, I, and part of me goes, you might as well have just read the script at me. Like <laughs> you, you haven't, really, you've, you've analyzed the script. There's so much more to this than just that. Yeah, especially when it comes to like filmmaking. There's so much more than just the plot. That is a, that's only a fraction of how you create a thing or what's important when creating the thing, and. Um, yeah. Again, my brain's in a nerdy mode just because I'm specifically, at the moment, writing a script to do with like the use of colour in film. So my brain's in a bit of a nerdy area. Uh, but just So I, my brain is just automatically ge- currently switched on to those little things you use to then build the na- narrative and plot around by using those little, little character beats and uh, little stuff, and the way you film something being so important as well. Uh, but here... It was all about the different character beats that these matches used and using the main event as a reflection on the opener. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For me, that was a huge thumbs up. Huge thumbs up. Uh, but the raw overall, this was the first raw in a while that not to be centred around Judgment Day. Um, last week was the closest, but that was more, it still had Judgment Day trickled throughout it. And he had the characters reacting to their match with the Judgment Day. So technically Judgment Day still the focus. Instead, like this week, the only real trickling we got was through McDonough and Dom versus the Creed Brothers, which is, again, the point was to build up the Creed Brothers, and then he got the backstage segment again with the Judgment Day interacting with our truth not not realising he's not part of the group, which so you got your truth comedy back, guys. I hope you missed it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really, The Judgment Day wasn't the focus, and suddenly, I had felt it when I was watching the show. It's was like, oh, we've, they've been the focus like running through the show for so long, but suddenly it makes sense that with the winning side, that suddenly a lot more focus is put on Seth Rollins and his challenges, and that's more of the through line at the moment, as we build around the winners from Survivor Series. And that really does help highlight the fact that Judgment Day lost. They didn't just lose, and then they have to like bounce back or whatever. Watching Raw, they're not the focus. The loss has had an effect. The winning team are now the focus of the show. And there's a sense of Judgment Day slipping just because they, they're literally not the focus now because they lost. They're losers. They're a bunch of losers. Purple, a b- bunch of purple losers. <laughs> and and then you have to put up with like all truth crap. <laughs> so they they, re- they really are not the focus of the show anymore with that loss. But that just helps like add to the fact that they are going to try and claw it back in some manner. They still you can't forget that Damon Priest has got that money in the bank briefcase and that the, this week was used to build up the Creed Brothers uh, Against Judgment Day, and like personally, you could e- you could even have Judgment Day lose, like really build up the Creed brothers, or you just use this as the like Creed brothers like huge step as a new team. They don't they don't need to win it. <laughs> if they do lose it, it's not their story. They're adding to it's the Judgment Day's. It just depends where they want to take the Judgment Day story. Like how low do you want to fall before you start building them back up for this WrestleMania season? That all depends on what Triple H got planned, and obviously I don't know that. But yeah, I just like those little details that just to make it really feel like there have been consequences to that loss where this week, this this show really didn't feature judgment day that hard at all. And it's all about perception. And that feeds into that perception, just kind of subtly, which is just, it's just nice to see subtleness existing (laughs) in the way. Uh, Anyway, uh, going through the show as well. It was a Drew McIntyre's promo that kicked off the show straight into Drew versus Sammy, which was given the time to really grow it wasn't your Vince era waste of time screw finish. There's an entire story point to it, and as I said, the main event mirrored it as well. So it was all purposeful. A good physical offering, a strong job in showing Drew's new brutish heel physicality and Sammy's undying heart, building to Sammy's body, giving up instead. Uh, Drew following up on his words to Seth last week, showing no remorse as he zoned in on Sammy's weak knee. Commentary, as I talked about earlier with Smackdown, really hammering in that Drew is clearly a changed man since Crown Jewel, showing none of that empathy. Sammy, with his wobbly little knee, wobbly little Canadian knee, Drew immediately stares at him. you, get the camera zoning on his face, like, oh, I've seen that. And we've seen him seeing that. Uh, immediately just flies him with the, chops him down, flies him with a claymore, like no holding back. And uh, after the break... And a bit of WWE's production order habits that they need to shake. (laughs) Because it was meant to be, like, after the break, here's the aftermath of the match. Drew McIntyre's going to fight Sami Zayn as well. But we got, like, two or three different, just nothing segments beforehand. (laughs) Like, little promotional bits. Come on, Terry talking about a completely different subject. Then you switch over to this. It's like, I'm not a fan of the... I don't know if it's apoplectic is the word... I'm not a fan of the production that just that jumps around. Like you have a wrestler walking out before the ad break and when you return, you have two different you have, have like an interview, you have the commentary talking about something, you have a promotion for something, then you get back to the match of the wrestlers that walks out before the break. It's like, no no no. Just and and the worst part is in terms of like time management, with a lot better just scheduling of what's happening throughout the show, you will find so much more time to give matches to. Which is part of my critique for AEW when it comes to the women not having a lot of time just better organisation of the show you will you will just find time automatically and with WWE it's these portions where i'm just like if you completely changed how you're doing this you will find time for the <laughs> for the actual wrestling that you will find that time for the women it will be there you just need to reorder whatever this is here because some i think i guess the idea is if it's on focus on jumping about like that there's technically no downtime or whatever uh, but for me it feels unfocused in a negative way, rather than because when you then go back to the wrestler in terms of, like the momentum of a show and keeping me watching. Because I've, I've, I have been questioning myself, like why when I'm watching Monday Night Raw does it always feel like it's outstated it's welcome? Like, but way before it gets to the main event, I'm done with the show. I, want, I kind of want it to end. We, I'm not, get, I don't get that often with SmackDown. So even though they've got the same production, why does that really happen? And I guess my, the answer is this style of production is perfectly fine for a two-hour show or like one hour 20 when you take away all the adverts. like It's perfectly fine for like that kind of length just because of the, the pace of it, the way you're having attention pulled from one way place to the other, and it's suddenly meant to return. It's like, okay, right, we're doing this now, whatever. You can have those little dips in attention-taking, but when it go, comes to a three-hour show, you, you just get tired as a viewer. It's just too much, and you can't do the same style of production for the longer period of time it just needs to be more focused <laughs> on what it's doing. You can't be jumping about like that on a three hour uh, schedule, on a three hour kind of timer, or, or what is it, like two hours 10, two hours 15, <laughs> when you take away the adverts. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's too much. <laughs> but that's the WWE style production, so I'm not gonna change it. But it's, I was trying to question, uh, why do I get so tired with one and not the other? And part of me was like, it's not just the fact that it's longer, it's what are they doing with it? Why am I getting tired of it? Uh, and I feel like a lot of that is the attention drawing away and the refocusing, especially around the ad breaks. I think that's part of it. Um, being being led down one path for one thing, and then having your attention diverted, and then be like, okay, here we are back to this other thing. That in terms of like my attentiveness to the show, I'm having to re-find my investment at that point because you've pulled me out of it. I then got to get reinvested again, and over the course of three hours, that just you're going to get less and less ability to do that <laughs> so yeah that said this Monday Night Raw was absolutely loved by uh, the people if you go into Cage Match, it's on like a 9 point something like they really when it comes to the standard of Monday Night Raw they really enjoyed this Raw and I was like f- like I didn't feel it to be any different it showed competency it was competently put together and I love the book ending of certain things but within the middle it's still got the same pacing problems that Monday Night Raw has had since the Vince era the same pacing problems are all still there. It's not as bad as the Vince era, but they're, they're still there, especially this wonky production stuff. They're habits that, for me, need to be broken. And again, reorganising it and sorting your time out better, you will find time for other things, which you maybe had to cut. So <laughs> that's good. Anyway, d- do I mention that uh, baseless suplexing Nye's arse onto her own face? Uh, well, I guess I have now. <laughs> so yeah, that was the thing. Also, uh, somebody put the tweet out there of Nia Jax mucking up the but um, where Rikishi stink face. There we go. <laughs> Nia Jax somehow mucked up the stink face, uh, charging into the corner. And then Shayna Baszler's kind of heads to the side after the bounce of the turnbuckle. And Nia Jax doesn't make sure that Shayna's head's in the right place for so the move to work. She just starts wiggling a butt like Rikishi would do. I was like, no, no, you just need that second just to make sure everything's lined up correctly. Otherwise, you look like a moron. <laughs> uh, not Naya. Uh, she's, she gets comedy. It's like, when it comes to comedy, there is no such thing as looking bad. <laughs> Naya understands that. yeah <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm joshing, I'm joking. Uh, Becky Lynch ran out after, so I guess we're doing that and feeding off of that thing from the past. Triple H likes his callbacks. So we've got the Naya Becky thing. Uh, Cody cut his promo on Knackers. Uh, Naka's, Naka's video response was genuinely great uh, you'll see standard Cody fare so if you like the way that Cody cuts his promos you would get the same emotions from here but Naka uh, Nakamore's video I thought was really good this week Like bringing up the parallels of their stories as two Royal Rumble winners who failed in their big shot and like, I didn't get to finish my story so now I will finish yours it's like lol revenge for bad Vince booking I like it <laughs> it's canon now <laughs> it's, the, yeah, it's like you, I, I missed my shot and I didn't get one because Vinter's booking was just so weird at the time. So now I'm going to ruin your one. It's like, yeah, I like that, I like that. But that was One Night Raw. Um, again, the way that I talked about the show maybe wasn't the most glowing, but the fact it's got a nine point something on cage match would probably tell you that other people felt differently and normally a crowd that isn't as hot on One the Night Raw as I've been on different weeks. <laughs> so yeah, I guess recommend giving this a go. And again, I've glowed about the book ending of this show. So, the uh, McIntyre, Sammy, and the Seth versus Jay matches. Uh, sans Yeet. <laughs> so, yes, give that a go. Anyway, with my voice fading, let's move on to NXT. I can that Thanksgiving No freaking way! What the? What the? You got the slam heard around the world. Lash legend slams Otis. Well, watched around the world. On phones, on silent. But the sentiment's still there. <laughs> in the social media age, this did rounds in such a positive way uh, on uh, Twitter. And again, the way it was filmed, only one cut in it. And you got the slam onto the map without there being an additional cut. So you got to see the whole feat properly captured. Uh, Twitter was then going crazy. And they absolutely enjoyed it like the match itself was absolutely fine but this one moment really stood out from nxt because like one of my gripes of nxt is that a lot of the production stuff and the way it's made and when i'm i feel like i came close to this week being the week to like you know what let's dig into why i don't like NXT's production i'm just i'm just too ill to do it <laughs> so we'll do it eventually uh, but yeah i really enjoyed this match i said this match i really enjoyed this bit of this match the match itself was absolutely fine with the Alpha academy lot going after whatever they're called with Gnome Dar. <laughs> I'm still at the nickname phase of learning things. I've I've given a lot of nicknames to people. I don't remember a lot of their names. Just wait till I get to that opening four-way match. I only remember Roxanne Perez's name. <laughs> I'm getting there slowly. And we doing these reviews is me being back to new to NXT because I, I watched some of the early ones of this run and I just didn't like the production. It's not the what was happening was the issue. It was the way it was being filmed and produced. And I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. So I just tuned out. But in doing this show, I'm forcing myself to watch it and to really get a sense about why I don't like it. <laughs> anyway, so that was that opening thing. I don't really have a lot more to say on it. This was like the the big thing of Last Legend looking awesome, slamming Otis. And I was questioning last week what they were building to with the whole Last Legend-Otis interactions with Otis being a creep. I say last week, that would be like three weeks ago now. <laughs> but I was just like, why are they doing this stuff for Otis? And I was like, if it was building to this... Uh this was a genuine great genuinely great moment, which does a lot for Lash Legend as well, going into the deadline stuff. So good for her. Which does so, like the rest of the show. There's just like lots of little bits just to do like little notes on like one of them was uh, the reaction I had when i was watching the Backstage segment with Axiom and Nathan Fraser. And I was like, what I love about NXT is it's a show where a guy like Axiom who's dressed in a mask and a full suit that's the exact same dialogue and filming presentation as any other lad. I <laughs> just like, I love that. <laughs> he says there's something about NXT which highlights a lot of the issues I've got with WWE production. And I was like, you've got your guy, like he's got the mask like Axiom does, the way that he will speak through the mask, and he's got a full suit, and he talks to uh, Nathan Fraser just like any other lad do would do in like just a room, and the way that it's filmed, <laughs> and I'm just like. You know, this isn't normal, right? <laughs> and the fact it's just treated and presented like any normal conversation. And they're like, okay, then we'll, then we'll get to the match later. I appre- I appreciate it. Anyway, they opened with a fun four-way. The, the country won one. I've forgotten her name. Henley. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> Pretty certain it is something Henley. I've just forgotten it. I'm at the nickname phase of learning names. Uh, unless I know them already, like, not Roxanne Perez, because I'm a nerd. But yeah, it was a fun four-way. Um, I feel like this is the same for both four ways, they're relatively fun. This one uh, had the more accepted finish because there's a few people in the NXT crowd that's like, eh? For the men's one. <laughs> but uh, this was, and I'll tell you why, it's because a lot of the other characters had storylines going into this match. So there's things outside of this match and outside of these little deadline builds, which the fans will automatically have investment in those characters because they've been getting TV time, they've been told to care about certain characters. Tyler Bate was not one of those. <laughs> so when he wins, it's just kind of like, oh, in terms of like momentum on the show or of who you've been conditioning your viewers to care about, Tyler Bate was not one of those people. <laughs> so it's, you can do that with wrestling sometimes, like throw that curveball of someone like him winning. Um, but yeah, everyone else got other stuff going on to, so yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it's viewership conditioning. Sometimes WWE, it's been a lot more competent under Vince, but in NXT, you see a lot of those gripes still existing. Also, uh, Wes. Who won the women's one? Oh, yeah, Henley won. Uh, Wes Lee's emotional promo. Out injured again, this time for 8 to 12 months for at least for back surgery. Like, genuinely. I don't feel like a nervous or whatever, but that's what Booker talked about. Uh, yeah, for 8 to 12 months is uh, pretty sucky. So, get well soon, Wesley. Uh, Dom out leading into setting up the deadline replacement match. And like, oh, hey, Ray Ray. Uh, he's going to be in the corner of Wesley's replacement, Dragon Lee. So who's returning from his hot streak on SmackDown when doing everything they can to make him look as awesome as possible and now they've had Ray giving him that torch of he's the future of lucha wrestling. And we've seen it in WWE, have they finally found their guy? Like he's talented enough to do it, they just need to get the presentation right and the way that they tell you, the audience member, to be invested in Dragon Lee. Because they've been giving him some showcase matches and it's slowly starting to happen. You, get, you start even getting those Dragon Lee chants in those matches. You just need to keep that going. Just keep telling the audience. You don't need to keep giving him like matches every single week. You just need to keep reinforcing to the audience that they're meant to care about this character. Yeah, don't be dropping him down to like mid card or in a random tag or whatever. Just keep building him the way you are, um, and they the audience will shift. They will start to care about this character. It's what it's what Vince Miz understood was all about when with the line of. Uh, you don't like what you think you like you like what i tell you you like it's like that's how television works <laughs> you condition the audience by presenting it in a way where you're essentially telling them who they're meant to care about the cool thing with wrestling is sometimes a wrestling audience can say no we don't really care about this that was a tv show or like stuff all the time as well they see a new character introduced in a certain way and the fans on social media especially nowadays we just react with yeah i'm not invested in that character like it happens sometimes with wrestling they tell you in real time and that's the like a huge kind of shift um yeah i like that anyway dragon leaf's back <laughs> that's a little tangent uh, oh and nikita lions is back so get ready for twitter to be confused again <laughs> it's, it's, but she's so right wing how am i meant to feel about this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good luck wrapping your heads around that twitter anyway and that's the end of the review it's easily my shortest record time in a little while but We'll see how much editing I'm actually able to do, So that's probably a good thing. It might end up being the longest video I've released. It's good than that. Uh, anyway, thank you for liking, engaging in any form, any manner. Always appreciate it. Never take it for granted. Uh, I'm going to rest my voice for a week and return to you. <laughs> the next one. Apologies for not releasing anything for two weeks, but hopefully you can hear why. <laughs> yeah, like, this is me on the better end of this illness. <laughs> so hopefully I'm better again this time next week. Uh, ho, ho, Merry Christmas. I'm recording this with... Um, Santa behind my microphone and with Christmas lights around my monitor. (laughs) So, If you're somebody who doesn't like stuff around your screens uh, or or like in front of your TVs or things, my recording situation at the moment would be your nightmare. (laughs) But suck it. I love Christmas. Anyway, uh, with that, also listen to the other shows here on Social Suplex Podcast Network, uh, One Nation Radio, all things elite, wrestling art with Chris Things and keeping it strong style, uh, which by the time this releases... I know it will just be a couple of days. So, the next episode is where you get to hear Keeping It Strong Style talk about Vendorita joining uh, the House of Torture. He's a hot boy now. <laughs> He's a hot boy. Perfectly timed with uh, the House of the Dragon Series 2 trailer coming out. You've got to get that hot day. <laughs> with that, I bid you adieu. Adios.